Wednesday Night Wallop presents. Hello, this is Rylan, the computer boy. Thank you for joining. Rylan Turner's Morning Sports Report. So, the computer is crazy! Crazy, I say! Sports Report, and it's time to talk about baseball. I've got my number one baseball correspondent on the show, a guy who joins me for almost every single one of these. He's he's basically like the co-host of this show, Kyle Joseph. Good morning, sir, and welcome to the Sports Report. It is time to talk about a lot of baseball. Sure is. It's, it's good to be here. This will be this will be interesting. Yes, uh, we are dropping this WrestleMania week. This is a nice little addition to your wrestling coverage. We're also giving you baseball coverage. We're, we're, we're fantastic that way. Uh, Kyle, you've got to break down the World Baseball. What, what is this? The World Baseball Classic? Yes, the World Baseball Classic. First, so, you, you've got to explain this to me because I did not realize the baseball, that baseball itself had an Olympics. So, that's sort of the the catalyst for this. Um, baseball does it has been a sport at the in, at the Olympics in the years past. It was again at the Tokyo Olympics, but at those games because the MLB season happens during the summer and doesn't pause for the Olympics. The athletes aren't in the MLB are not able to go play in, at the Olympics. They do not participate in it. We don't really have a best on best tournament for baseball, and it's kind of tricky to do an international best on best tournament because, as we know, the MLB season lasts forever. So, in the two thousand nine edition. That was the first ever World Baseball Classic. They threw together a bunch of teams for it. It was an interesting tournament. And, sorry, the the first one was 2006, I should say. They put together a bunch of teams for it. It was an interesting tournament. Um, Got a chance to see a bunch of players compete for their countries. Had some... Some fascinating results, uh, including that was uh, the one, the first one was where Canada actually beat the United States, something that certainly did not happen this time. And Japan won the first two versions of this event. Then they held it again in 2013. That was Dominican Republic won that. The United States won the 2017, which was the last time they did it. They were planning on, they wanted it to be sort of an every four years thing, and they were planning one again during 2021, but pandemic. Right. So they decided to push it back to this year. 
and it seems they're going to be moving into even years. The plan now going forward is that 2026 will be the next tournament. This year they expanded to 20 teams, having a few interesting ones. Um, it's fun checking out some of the players that they put together in, in these different tournaments. But we had we had um, the games go forward in a few different countries. The United States hosted some of it. Chinese Taipei hosted some of it. And Japan hosted some of it. And then the la- the semifinals and finals were in the United States. Uh, obviously in Miami at Chase, at, uh, sorry, at uh, Lone Depot Park is where we play, call the Miami Stadium now. It's had about 100 different names at this point. So this year's edition, they divided the teams up, uh, put them around to a bunch of, uh, into these different pools, started playing tournaments. There were some teams that were impressive and some teams that were a bit disappointing. I'll go through a couple of interesting highlights. Australia put together a very impressive tournament, managing to make it into the quarterfinals, something, and then narrowly losing a game to Cuba, which is very impressive for that Australian team, um, beating out South Korea, among others, to get there, and that's, that's no mean feat. The United States and Mexico made it through in the pool where Canada played. Canada did win a pair of games, picking up victories over Great Britain and Colombia, the latter of which is an impressive victory. But sadly, we're not able to make it to the playoffs yet again. Uh, it's unfortunate that they have yet to make the qualify for the playoffs, but it's tough because Canada's baseball squad at this point is a lot less flush with major leaguers than it has been in years past. Fair enough. But the the cool thing about it, I do think, is they get a lot of interesting people coaching these things. So among the coaches for the Canadian team were Ernie Witt, who has been the manager for Team Canada forever. He was a longtime catcher and uh, was the catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays in their early, early years. Paul Quattrell, who was a major league reliever for many years, also with the Blue Jays for a a fair amount. And uh, Larry Larry Walker, the Hall of Fame Canadian who uh, was doing some coaching for the team, which was a lot of fun. The tournament ultimately this year really did capture the imagination, especially as we got towards the end of this thing. By the way, the U.S. national team was kind of a fascinating collection of people. Mark DeRosa has been sort of their manager for a bit. He actually had played in the tournament but in the past as a second baseman. But among the coaches on the on that team, Andy Pettit, Michael Young, Brian McCann, and, of course, Ken Griffey Jr., a very impressive uh, collection of guys. He was their hitting coach here. Of course he was. And, boy... That U.S. team really thumped Canada when they played them. But basically, we got the U.S. having a lot of success in this tournament. They obliterated Cuba in the semifinal. 
And then the final happened, and that final was about as good a game of baseball as you're going to see between two very, very good teams. And seeing the showdown at the end between Shohei Otani and Mike Trout was a great reminder of how great baseball talent has gotten at this point in time. And it's also a reminder that the two best national teams, which the Japan and the United States were the two best teams in this tournament. Right. They'd like it. But the two best national teams, their most talented players for both of them are players who play on the same team. When we said that in the World Cup with uh, Messi and, and Mbappe, Paris Saint-Germain is a stellar top-tier football outfit. And, you know, they... Them only making it to the round of 16 of the Champions League was a disappointment this year. But they won the French League yet again. again. Like, they're, they're a juggernaut, to be sure. Right. And... Mike Trout and Shohei Otani play on the same team, and it is the third, maybe fourth best team in the AL West. If that's not a sad reality for the state of the MLB seasons we're going into, I don't know what is. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's sort of what that's the interesting thing going into this season is. Boy, there are some teams with some really talented players who are going to struggle mightily. But there are still a lot of very interesting teams that are going to have the opportunity to be very impressive this season. Fact or fiction, Kyle? Was this Mike Trout's 27th out at bat? Um, sort of. I, I, I heard I heard a rumor that this Shohei Tani putting him out at bat was the 27th time in, in Mike Trout's career that that's ever happened. So is the 27th time that Mike Trout has in his career that, and it doesn't count towards M- the ML because it wasn't an MLB right. game, but he has only ever struck out swinging at three, swinging at three strikes. Okay. In his entire career and his thousands of plate appearances. He's only done it, I think 26 times. That's it. And Shohei Otani did it. Which is a testament to just how good a player Mike Trout is. Which, I mean, we can go through testament after testament. We'll talk about him later when we get to the AL West preview because there are some interesting individual things that he's going to be able to accomplish this season. But, yeah, it's going to be... He is a very, very talented player, and I don't think... And it's it's a given that he's a very, very talented player at this point in time. But I don't think, an, even despite that, I don't think enough credit goes to just how impressive he is. Agreed. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, Tani. Uh, what do you think this year is going to mean for him? What, what do you see the outcome for his, his, like, this year being for him? This year, at the end of this season, we are going to see Shohei Otani evolve from a legend on the field to a legend at the bank. (laughs) 
so for Shohei Atani was is a player in baseball that cannot be overvalued or cannot be overstated just how good he is at baseball. He is he qualified last year as both a hitter and a pitcher and excelled at both which is like he had 28 starts last year pitched 166 innings he struck out almost 12 guys in it per nine which for a starter is unheard of and oh by the way he also hit 34 home runs, which, by the standard he set the last year, was a bit of a disappointment, which is telling of how talented this guy truly is. Like he was, he earned an All-Star spot and MVP consideration just as a hitter. Um, and he also was a, a, a phenomenal pitcher. Shohei Otani is coming up on his contract year. He is making, he's finally making, you know, the kind of salary that he is worth because, because of the nature of how baseball contracts sort of work. He, he's gone from $5.5 million that he made last year to 30 this year. Telling of, you know, just how valuable he is. But this contract that I believe is coming at the end of the season um, is going to be, we might be seeing the first contract north of $500 million. Jesus. And because the thing is you're talking about a guy who, He's already going to be an amazing even if he even if as a pitcher he's not going to be able to maintain it. You're talking about a guy who you can slot in as a very good hitter. Who worst case, honestly, you can get probably value of him out of the bullpen. Even if he can't carry this on as a starter. He's gonna have value as a pitcher. Right. And then as also a dominant hitter. And again, the idea of him focusing on one or the other is a terrifying prospect in and of itself. But if he continues the production that we're talking about for yet another season, and we're talking about MVP votes and on the back of him being the, the best hitter or, you know, one of the better hitters and one of the better pitchers again this season, yeah, it's going to cost the Angels a lot of money that they have shown a history that they're not willing to spend. Great. Kyle, we are Canadian. Yeah. And we have one horse in this race. So why don't you tell me about this season's outlook for the Toronto Blue Jays? So, <laughs> making the playoffs was the requirement in terms of goals for last year. They had missed the playoffs narrowly the year before. 
they needed to make the playoffs again or this past season in order to be measured it have as a successful season. But let me tell you something. That wild card series was soul crushing. That game two where they were up eight to one after five innings and lost that knocks the wind out of your sails. And so going forward to this season, the Blue Jays don't just need in order to have consider this kind of a successful season for the Blue Jays, I think they don't just need to have a successful regular season to make it to the playoffs. On that, I think they need to have a pretty decent playoff run. Right. And this is a team that, on paper, I do think they are a better team this year than they they are, were a year ago. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about with regards to that. But there are going to be question marks about it. And I'm I'm interested to see whether or not uh, some of the players are going to be able to hold up the way they kind of want them to for over a full season. And whether, you know, which is amazing to think about, some of the players who had really good seasons last year could be due for even bigger things this year. Or the expectations on some of them, like for Vladimir Guerrero, for example, it's going to be higher than he was it was last year. And he was a very good player last year. Like an OPS of one an OPS plus of one thirty two is nothing to sneeze at. It's just the year before it was one sixty seven. So he went right. from being ridiculous to just very, very good. And Bo Bichette last year started the season looking um really, really bad and then turned a season in it and out another great season. They had two pitchers last year who were getting Cy Young consideration. They have a bunch of other very talented hitters, some of whom, now this was a busy offseason for the Blue Jays, to be clear. They ended up moving a number of very important players to their lineup, away in trades, making moves to try to build up a more well-rounded lineup, I think was the basically the long-term goal. Whether or not that is, was a successful thing sort of remains to be seen. So the big uh, people who were moved away were Teoscar Hernandez was moved to the Seattle Mariners, which is a blow. Teoscar is a very, very talented bat to have in the lineup. And Seattle, I think, is going to greatly benefit because they could have used a, a bat like his. Uh, adding that to the outfield where they already have a star center fielder in the making. Um, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But they also traded away uh, Lotus Grail Jr. and their number one prospect, Gabriel Moreno, who made his debut last year for the team and was looking like he was going to be their catcher of the future. It just so happens that the Blue Jays' catcher of the future is the catcher of their present, Alejandro Kirk, and they were able to 
make that maneuver. But I do think they, they added some good pieces. I think the guys that they have coming back towards the team this year, I think the bullpen is stronger, which was a weak point from last year. I think the rotation, they lost some, but I think Chris Bassett is a really good addition to that rotation who they signed uh, for a three-year deal this year. I think Jose Barrios is pitching well in spring training and is due for a bounce-back year. It's very similar. Yusei Kikuchi had a very good spring training, and I think he's sort of due for a bounce-back, and he'll be starting the year in their rotation as well. There's a lot of talent on this roster. And there's a lot, and with that comes very, very high expectations. What they're going to be able to achieve, I think, will be determined by both their health and their ability to be able to consider to continue to be one of the best hitting teams in the league. They're going to want more production out of George Springer, which is to say they're going to want him to stick around and not get hurt again. I think the move for him to go into right field is going to help that. I think Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermeyer are much better uh, defensive center fielders as well, and it's just a thing that he doesn't have to worry about as much. I think Matt Chapman is an, appearing to be an excellent third baseman, and he and Bo Bichette seem to be a really good answer um, for that left side of the infield. Obviously, Vladi is going to be Vladi, and if last year was the floor for how good Vladdy can be, then we're talking about a truly transcendent hitter. And Alejandro Kirk emerged last year as an excellent additional bat, uh, as well as, you know, being a, a solid catcher who was surprisingly reliable behind the plate, especially catching guys like Alec Manoa, who he was sort of the primary catcher for. And Danny Jansen might be the best uh, the best backup catcher in the league. There's a lot of good things to say about the Blue Jays. The question is going to be staying healthy, and the question is going to be can we continue to have rising expectations from guys like Vladdy, from guys like Bo, or what are we going to get out of them? The expectations are very high for the Blue Jays. I think that they're going to be right up there with the Yankees and challenging for the division. Which way it goes sort of depends on how much Yankee magic we're going to be getting this year. But I do expect the Blue Jays to be highly competitive this year, make it to the playoffs, and then once you get to the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen. Right. Kyle, before we get into the uh, breakdowns of the league itself, I want to play a quick edition of Hot or Not with you. Are you ready? Sure. Starting in the American League. Kansas City. Oh, boy. So, the thing about Kansas City is that, I mean, last year did not go well for the Royals. They were not the team I think they were hoping that they would be. They finished the season, just double-checking my standings here quickly. Um, They finished the season last year with 97 losses, which is not what you want. No, and I would say what's what's amazing about 97 losses is it was still a bit of a ways from being the worst team in the, in the league in baseball last year um, because Washington, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Oakland all made it to triple digits. There's... 
so for the so in that way, I would say that there's nowhere to go but up. The only problem is I don't know that they really got a lot better. I think they're going to continue to try to build from within, which is not a bad thing. They they're because you know, you don't want to necessarily throw a bunch of money around when you're not necessarily that close to being competitive. But I do think that they've got a new manager. They've brought in a few buy low options. Guys like Araldus Chapman. They have some very good players. Salvador Perez is an excellent, excellent player. Bobby Witt Jr. has the potential to, like, you know, there's high expectations for him. He could be a very, very good player. And they've got a few pitchers who look like they're at least okay. Also, you got uh, old man Zach Greinke coming back for another season, um, which it's nice to see him in a Kansas City uniform again. I don't think there's enough positive for them for me to say I'm up on them. I don't think they're going to have a very good season. But I do think it's going to improve, so, you know, take that what you will, but I'm still going to say down at this point. Okay, okay, not. Boston. Yes. Oh, boy, Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are the most baffling team to me in baseball, which is saying a lot. By all accounts, they should be really good. And yet, or like they should be doing things that they can, you know, get to be very good. And yet, they're going into the season having lost, you know, having lost some valuable players. They did at least get the extension done for... Raphael Devers, which they, is a good sign, given you know that they didn't re-sign Mookie Betts, and I do think the team is still kind of reeling from that decision because it's such an un-Boston decision to develop a really talented player and then not to bring him back on a long-term extension. But I look at this team, and there's just a lot of flaws to it. Alex Cora, you know, being the manager, is sort of whatever. Trevor Story's done for the season, which really is an unfortunate way for the season to go for them already. But then, and I do think the signing of um, Masataki Yoshida, who was kind of one of the big, um, the big names coming into this season that I think they, they've added, but I don't know. I, I just I'm not I'm not super excited about this Red Sox team. I think there's there's a lot of holes, and I think they're they're relying on a lot of guys, especially in that starting rotation, that have proven themselves to be a little bit injury prone. Um, yeah, I I just can't get excited about this particular season, so I gotta say not. Okay, okay. The last team in the uh, the American League, Houston. I mean, 
It's sort of a similar situation to Kansas City, but the exact opposite, which is they can't really – there's nowhere to go but down as far as, you know, this upcoming season. They are coming off winning the championship. But – and, like, they, they added some very interesting pieces to this team. Still got Dusty Baker out there. I'm, you know, I was very excited to see Dusty get his championship victory. But losing Justin Verlander, I think, is is a thing that does hurt. But there's just too much talent on this roster for them to be to have a season that's even average. <laughs> They're just such a really, really good team. Their their lineup is you know the end is an envy of the league. The infield in particular, you're going into the year with you know Jordan Alvarez with Jose Abreu, Alex Bregman who is you know a monster third baseman, and yeah, they, despite the fact that they lost Verlander who was their best pitcher last year, that, that rotation still looks really good. I, I, you know, until they prove me that they can't do it, which they certainly haven't yet, I, I got to stay up on them. Okay, okay. Moving to the National League. Uh, oh, I lost my page. Uh, the uh, the first team I have for you, the Cubs. The Cubs are in an interesting situation because. For one, I'm surprised they haven't been more active in trying to add pieces. Jemison Talion is a good starting pitcher, and they brought him in in free agency. Dansby Swanson is a good shortstop, but I do think they paid him a little bit on potential. He ended up signing a, a huge money deal um, $177 million over seven seasons with uh, having come off of, been uh, on the Braves for, for quite a while since uh, since he was traded there they made additions I think they're a better team than they are this year I think Talion adds to guys like Marcus Stroman who were strong pitchers already in that rotation there's enough pieces here that I can get a little bit excited about it at least. I am going to say up, and I think the big reason why isn't because I necessarily think that they're an amazing team. I think they're going to be more competitive, certainly, than they were last year. I just think the NL Central is not as even as strong as it was last year, and it was not a particularly strong division last year. So... I think the Chicago Cubs are probably going to be closer to a 500 team this year, but 500 is not going to be necessarily that far off from from the Central. Okay. Okay. Moving into the East, Atlanta. So, I said about Dansby Swanson, you know, they lost Dansby Swanson, which was a big uh, free agency loss for Atlanta, and they didn't really bring in anything to replace him. But 
there's still too much talent on that team for me to not think that they're in a really good spot. I still like that lineup. Uh, Ronald Acuna remains, you know, one of the better players in the league. That that infield, despite losing, you know, their shortstop, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies are all excellent players still. They've got some... They've got a solid rotation. There's, you know, always with them. There's a little bit of injury concern with some of the with some of the pitchers. But you know, you could say that about a lot of pitchers, just because of the nature of the job. For me, I think that this is a team to get excited about. And I mean, they won over 100 games last year. The big thing that's tricky with them is that the NL East is a monster. But it wouldn't shock me if the NL East ended up producing, you know, two or three playoff teams this year. And I certainly think if that's the case, Atlanta's going to be out among them. So uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, hot. I want to stay with the NL East for an extra pick here. I want to know your thoughts on the Phillies. The Phillies are a bit trickier because I do think they overachieved last year. But then they went out, or let me let me sorry I should I should clear I should uh, see yeah I did, like I think they overachieved a little bit last year, um, but then they went out and added new pieces. They were active in free agency. They added Trey Turner, who was a huge free agency signing, um, bringing him in for eleven years and three hundred million dollars. That is uh, nothing to sneeze at, certainly. And then making another uh, big splash in free agency with Tylon Walker, who is a solid starter. They lost a little bit of stuff, too. But ultimately, you know, there's it's a lot of positive. Or no, there's some positive momentum for the Phillies. Again, I have the same trepidation as I do when I talk about the Braves, which is to say that division's a monster and it's really, really tough. But... Giving Craig Kimbrell like another full season with that, adding Taiwan Walker to a rotation that already included Zach Wheeler, the you know the best pitcher in the NL last year, that already included uh, Aaron Nola, who I think is an excellent starting pitcher. That's a strong rotation, and even if I have some questions about some of their hitting, Trey Turner makes that lineup a lot better. And you know Bryce Harper is going to be Bryce Harper, so. Yeah, hot. Okay. Moving to the West. I could end with any team, Kyle, but I want to end with San Diego. San Diego is a baffling team. They so want to be a champion. They want to be taken seriously, and they have shown they're willing to spend money to do it. That is the big thing that was baffling about the the Boston Red Sox last year is that they let Xander Bogarts, their star um, shortstop, walk to free agency, and San Diego was more than happy to snatch him up, $280 million, to add to an already expensive infield where you've got, uh, you already have Manny Machado. Now they seem to be uh, intent on putting 
Fernando Tatis in center field. You get a full season of Juan Soto, who, you know, I know his numbers are down, but we're talking about a guy who is not that far removed from MVP consideration. And a guy who won a silver slugger last year. Like, he is a super talented player, and that lineup is so, so loaded. There are questions with the starting staff, as there sort of were last year, but, and you know, whether and how long we can expect you, Darvish, to continue to be uh, the kind of solid player they kind of need him to be. But adding Xander Bogarts to that lineup already. Oh, they're they're dangerous. I they're uh, a low key definitely definitely consideration as a pick for the the championship this year. I'm going to say hot. Okay, all right. Now before we get into the uh, like I said the breakdown of the the divisions of the league, um, who do you think is the hottest team, and who do you think is the naughtest team? Naughtest is going to be easier. Okay. Because it's, I don't think, and I'm going to be clear on this when I say this. Who's a fraud, Kyle? (laughs) They're not the worst team in baseball. Like, there are worse teams in baseball right now. Uh, The worst team in baseball currently, despite the fact that the Nationals lost 107 games, I don't think they're going to be quite that bad this year. And I don't think they're going to stay bad in perpetuity. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati are both truly terrible teams. I think Pittsburgh's trying to move in the right direction. I'm not sure what Cincinnati's doing. And the Oakland <laughs> Athletics. You know what they're doing, Kyle? Are they not paying Ken Grippy Jr.? Oh, yes, they are. Um, he has deferred salary to the point where he is the third highest earner on the team. Which tells you all that you need to know about where this, the direction of Cincinnati. <laughs> and the thing about it is, like, he's making... Just under $4 million. And $4 million is nothing to sneeze at. But we just talked about some of the baseball contracts that are being handed out. That's not a lot of money. $4 million is like a solid relief pitcher. And that goes to tell you exactly where the Cincinnati Reds are at this point in their development. But the Oakland Athletics, they're, you know, going to be a tire fire up until they get a new stadium deal, whether that be in (laughs) Oakland or elsewhere. But do you want to talk about the Colorado Rockies? Okay. Because I have no idea what they're trying to do. I look at this team, and I don't really understand what the goal is. They're not cross-the-board terrible. They've got players who have some talent. They went out and signed Chris Bryant last year for some reason when they had a more talented Nolan Arenado and let him walk to free agency. A crown could have a bounce back. Ryan McMahon is, you know, perfectly fine as a hitter. Their pitchers are always kind of be going to be whatever because pitching in in that stadium is just really difficult. But. They're not even really trying to do anything. There's no direction. There's no intent. There's no... They're just putting a baseball team out there. And seeing what happens. Like... They they made a few small signings. 
um, for like one year sort of like flyer deals just to see if guys can still play. That's not going to move the needle in any particular way. They're just kind of there. Right. And for everything I could say about some of the other teams, like I could talk about the teams that we talked about before, I mentioned before, who are just, you know, non-factors this season. At least I feel like, or at least in recent past, I felt like there's been a direction for the team and that there's potential that they can move in the right direction, the Reds notwithstanding. With the Rockies, I think they're just content being kind of bad. And in a, in a division where, you know, Arizona and, the, and San Francisco are both still at least trying to do something, despite the fact that they're in the same division as the Dodgers and the Padres. Colorado just merely existing in that division is kind of telling and very sad. Okay. All right. What about Hottest? Hottest is trickier. Um, the the splashiest team coming out of this season, in, or coming out of this uh, offseason, was the San Diego Padres. But I'm not willing to put down to say that they are the hottest still. To me, I'm going to go on a limb, especially when we're getting into the season early on. I'm going to say the New York Mets. Oh, oh, shit. All right, here we go. Now, are we going to talk about the New York Mets, a team that's going to win the championship necessarily? No. I do think they lost some good starting pitchers, like Chris Bassett, who was, uh, I mentioned for the Blue Jays. He came from the from the Mets. Taiwan Walker, similarly, they lost. And Jacob DeGrom is a huge, huge blow for what he's going to be able to, to do. I just think the bats are still really talented, and they've just been a team that's always started hot. So I think at least to start the season, give me the Mets to start out strong and then fade in September as they usually do. Okay. But if you want to talk about, like, long term, um, yeah, I don't know that I can bet against the Astros at this point. Man, they're such a good team. Again, similarly, lost some pieces, but not enough that I'm willing to say that they're a bad team by any stretch. Kyle, I'm going to let you have the floor to break down uh, the rest of the league as you uh, you would ask to do. So I started in um, – I started with the Blue Jays talking about them. They're going to be competing with, I think, the New York Yankees for the division this year. The schedule has changed in baseball so that you don't have to play as many uh, division games. Um, so that is going to help with regards to, or you know, with regards to them being able to be more competitive for wild card. Is you don't have to play, even if Boston is, you know, I don't understand their direction. There's still talent on that team; they can still steal steal games. Baltimore is uh, a team that's on the rise. They've got some really young talent, and Albie Rushman being the sort of biggest name that they've got coming up right now. Um, but yeah, they've got some other players. And then the Tampa Bay Rays are just kind of going to do Tampa Bay Ray things, where they're going to find a couple more prospects that, you know, unless you're deep into the baseball that you haven't really heard of, and those guys are going to churn out 
highly productive seasons. And while we're while we're sort of at that, um, Randy or Rosarena, if you had the chance to see him play in the World Baseball Classic, you know that that guy is the real deal. And yeah, he had a a productive season last year. I think he could be a candidate to potentially break out this season, which is saying something because he's already like a very good player. But for him, for me, thirty thirty is not out of the question for him. Thirty home runs and thirty stolen bases, mm-hmm. and I think he could be you know. As good as he like, he was good last year, but not you know transcendent. I think he could move towards transcendent this year. So there's a potential for three playoff teams in in the AL East, and I think Baltimore's not. I don't think they're going to challenge for a playoff spot. Um, but I think they're going to be uh, sort of in the mix for at least part of the season. And then who knows with Boston, maybe they can put some magic together. But again, that's a lot of competitive teams. And I haven't talked about the New York Yankees yet, who forgive me, they still have Aaron judge. And that alone is going to tell you something about how good this team can be. I think adding Carlos Radon to that starting rotation, though he has looked very shaky in preseason, I have no doubt that he'll settle it down. Um, but yeah, they spent they went out and spent a lot of money to to bring him in uh, to complement Garrett Cole, who they've already had as as the ace of that rotation. They spent a truly haunting amount of money to retain Aaron Judge, a six-year three hundred or no, sorry, a nine-year three hundred sixty million dollar contract to bring him back when the rumor was that he was going to be going to San Francisco. That's a, that's a big ad or that's a a big retention. Like, you know, he might not have the same kind of season that he had last year because I don't know that a human can, but (laughs) the question with the, with the Yankees is, are some of the up-and-coming players going to be able to take some time away from some of the veterans who they have holding down jobs at the moment? Which is to say, you got a guy like Josh Donaldson at third base. Um, they have a young player in Oswaldo Cabrera who seems like he's going to be ready to make the leap. Aaron Volpe, same thing, um, had a tremendous spring. Both both of them had very strong springs. Um, OPS is over a thousand over spring training for whatever that's worth. That's you know that's still very very strong production. So if we're talking about a, a Yankees team that's going to be able to add with youth, um, yeah, that, sign me up. That could be a very very dangerous prospect. So that's the AL East. Is surprise all the teams are good. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the NL or the AL Central is interesting. Uh, is like I've already talked about Kansas City. I don't think they're on. They're you know moving in the right direction because they have some young talent, but they're not going to really be competitive this year. Detroit is still kind of floundering. Chicago, is, I think they're a team that we're going to see them start trending in the wrong direction, which is sad for a team that really not too long ago we were looking at as a potential breakout team. Not having Tony LaRusso as the manager should probably help, but, you know, I don't know how much more productive we, or, you know, I don't know how much more we're going to get out of some of the players that they have on this team. And as good as I think, you know, their rotation is, um, I think they've got one of the strongest rotations in baseball. Maybe that's going to be able to carry them forward, but I think the bats have to show up, and that's going to be tricky because, you know, they they haven't in years past, with the exception of Tim Anderson, obviously. Minnesota made the, the most interesting re-signing in all of baseball. If you didn't follow the Carlos Correa saga this offseason... Um, you were missing out. So Carlos Correa uh, was a shortstop for the Twins last year on a one-year prove-it deal so because he wanted to make the big money coming out into this season. He had a great season last year, opted out of his contract, went to free agency, agreed to a deal with the Giants. They scheduled the press conference, and then they backed out of the deal because it was, a, by the way, the, the arrangement was going to be 13 years for $350 million. Uh, they backed out of the deal because they had some concerns with his health. Then they wanted to renegotiate, but Correa and his agent Scott Boris were upset. They went out to other teams. He agreed to a deal with the New York Mets, 12 years, $315 million. Uh, they were concerned about his ankle, too. So they tried to renegotiate again. The final deal that Korea came to was a six-year, $200 million deal with the Minnesota Twins, the team that he played for last year, and with some options potentially to, to allow him to stick around on the team a little bit further than that. Looking at the team this year, they added Joey Gallo on a prove-it contract, which I think is an interesting signing. They seem to be making decisions to try to um, carry on some momentum. I think Christian Vasquez as a catcher is an underrated add. Uh, he's a very, very good defensive catcher. So I think they could make some noise. But this division still belongs to Cleveland. Now, Cleveland's a tricky team to predict, as they always are, because they did have some hitters emerge behind Jose Ramirez, who was sort of their star hitter. Um, Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario seems to be moving in the right direction. Stephen Kwan was a very fascinating uh, throwback, uh, just an all-contact hitter last year. Managed to make it to the playoffs last year. Lost to the Yankees in a tight series. Things are finally trending up for Cleveland. They have a truly great starting staff as well. 
but they'll go as far as their pitching can kind of carry them, and their hitting can kind of drag them too. So we'll see if they're able to continue on with that truly transcendent pitching again this year. I think they and the Twins will. Cha- I think Cleveland's still running the division. I think the Twins will challenge for a wild card. In the West, we don't need to talk about Oakland. Because um, they're going to be bad again. You're going to be <laughs> shocked. I'm sure you were shocked. I, I know. I know. We. Hey, are. it's not. It's not Moneyball. It's not Moneyball. I mean, you have to actually spend a little bit of money um, to be competitive, and they they seem content not doing that. Texas Rangers continue to have Marcus Semyon and Corey Seager. And they're going to continue to rely on those two guys to be their kind of star players. They brought in Jacob DeGrom, which, if he can stay healthy, could be like the signing of the offseason. Now, that's a big if. Because, you know, over the last three seasons, he has started... 38 games, which, you know, is a little more than you want in a season. Admittedly, the 2020 was a shortened season, but 2021 was a shortened season. But I do think that he is going to be a big addition. I think he could be a truly, truly uh, great get for the Rangers, who have kind of needed that kind of star pitcher to add to their rotation. I do think the problem with the Rangers ultimately is that their depth is going to let them down. And boy, if that isn't the story for Los Angeles, truly transcendent talent, but it's overshadowed by the fact that they simply can't seem to figure it out elsewhere. I think they've got a couple players that are at least interesting, um, for what it's worth, Anthony Rendon had a really good spring. Maybe he's going to be able to put it together, but like you know, if he can stay healthy, it will be the first time in a while. Pitching is still a problem after Shohei Otani. You're asking a lot of guys who have not have yet to sort of prove it in the long term to be able to to pitch their way out of um, some big situations. And in addition. The Angels, who are a team that, you know, you're on the contract year for Shohei Itani. You should be going out and spending and trying to, you know, push for a championship. And their biggest signing in the offseason was Tyler Anderson. Forgive me if Tyler Anderson is not getting me super excited about the future of the Angels. Success for the Angels is not going to be measured by wins this year. It's going to be measured by whether or not Shohei Otani is signed. If you don't sign him long-term, it's not a successful season. God damn, Kyle with the hot take. Barring them miraculously winning the championship, but I don't see that happening. Houston is Houston. We don't need to talk too much longer about them. They're very, very good, and I expect them to remain very, very good. Mariners are interesting. Julio Rodriguez emerged as a superstar in the making uh, and has reaffirmed that with a truly monstrous spring. 
I think Jared Kalenic is an excellent young prospect. I think we're going to expect to see him more in the outfield this season. And then Teoscar Hernandez is going to be in that other outfield spot. And that's a darn good outfield. Yeah. The infield is less good, but, you know, they still have a couple of decent players uh, seemingly coming along. And the pitching staff is still solid. You get a full year out of Luis Castillo, their um, their big trade acquisition last year. And Robbie Ray um, ultimately had a very solid season last year. He wasn't the Cy Young winner that he was with the Blue Jays, but still had, for a guy who started the year pretty poorly, ended up having a very strong season last year. And so I don't think Seattle's at Houston level, but it would be hard for me to see them missing the playoffs. And for a team that missed the playoffs for, you know, 20 straight years before making it last year, I think just being a part of it is is an exciting prospect for the for the Mariners. Fair. Fair. Um, the NL East is a monster. I will talk about the Washington Nationals. I think they're finally in a place where, I mean, for the fans who believe that flags fly forever, that 2019 championship was worth some hardship. And... They went out and got some the kind of buy low candidates that you sign when you're rebuilding, just to kind of have some guys who are gonna you know contribute a bit. But it could be another long year for them. I don't think they're going to be a hundred and seven loss team again because I do think they had to be you know, surprisingly bad in a lot of ways to get to that place. But I don't think they're going to be competing in a division that is very, very competitive. Okay. Don't need to say a lot about Miami. Um, they traded their best player away, which is something they seem to be doing a lot. Uh, Pablo Lopez, by the, way, by the way, going to the Twins rotation, which I do think is a big addition for them. Uh, I think... He is going to surprise as one of the better pitchers in the AL this year. Now I've said this I've been wrong about this for twins pitchers in the past, but I think he's he's a very, very impressive pitcher for Miami and people have slept on him because he's been in Miami. But I think he could break out and be a really, really good pitcher. But with him gone, Miami, there's not a lot to get excited about. They're gonna to continue to rebuild for the future and then but ultimately, the problem with Miami is if they're not willing to spend to retain a future, then there is no future. Now, if you're not willing to pay the players who are um, on that team or who are you know who are there, and the big problem is looking over their roster right now. There's a lot of guys aside from you know guys like Jazz Chislam, who I do think is an excellent young player. There's a lot of guys on this team who are, I can't believe that they're still in the league kind of candidates, and that's not a good sign, especially in their bats. Their pitching continues to be young and interesting, and I do think we're going to get to see more. Uh, we're going to see Edward Cabrera. Sandy Alcantara, I think people sleep on him as a very good young pitcher as well. But 
again, until they're able to start spending to put it together, uh, I, I can't get excited about it. That's fair. We talked at length about Atlanta. We talked a bit about the Mets. You know, I don't think they're going to be quite as strong, but I think they're going to be – they could come out of the gate hot at the very least. And Philadelphia you made some big additions. Those are the three teams that are compete. It wouldn't shock me if all three made the playoffs. Which they all did last year, too. Now, the Central, I don't really want to talk about too much. Pittsburgh, um, yeah, they exist. They do have some young players who you can get excited about. O'Neill Cruz looks like he's going to be a very good young player. And Jihuan Bay, between the two of them, that's a pretty good middle infield. Brian Reynolds is still here. That's more than I can say I expected. Um, you know, they've got they got G-Man Choi. He's fun. Um, they brought back, um, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, their longtime outfielder, whose name now is Andrew McCutcheon. They brought him back. That's fun. <laughs> He's probably going to DH for them. They lost 100 games last year. I don't think they're quite that bad this year, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Cincinnati is still that bad. Um, Cincinnati started out really, really bad and then traded away anybody who was talented, especially their rotation. I do think Hunter Green is a, a candidate who could potentially be a guy who they can get behind as a potential, you know, really good starting pitcher. He's still very young. They've got some good young hitters in Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson. But, like, again, I said before, their third highest player is Ken Griffey Jr. Third highest paid player is Ken Griffey Jr. That's a sign that... Things aren't good. No, that's not a good sign. That's that's a very bad sign. Um, so those are the two teams that are completely out of it. Milwaukee is a very frustrating team. They sold at the deadline last year and missed the playoffs by a single game. There's talent still here. Uh, and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are about as good a one-two combination at starting pitchers as you can get in the league. But, man, I still think they're they're a team that's sort of missing something. They still need a bit more hitting, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to go out and get it, so that's sort of a sign of a team that might be spinning its wheels a little bit. And getting a little complacent in a vision where, you know, you don't need to, like, being complacent is just kind of, you know, it's kind of boring. And I talked about the Cubs already. I think they're going to be, you know, better, but not necessarily great. And and the St. Louis Cardinals have the best corner infield in baseball in 
Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. They've got some good young players coming all along. Dylan Carlson looks like he's going to be a star in center field. And despite everything, I mean, they got Adam Wainwright coming back to pitch. That's exciting. But I do think this is going to be a little bit of a dip for um, for St. Louis. But I think they can afford – they've got a little bit of breathing room in this division is what I'm saying. Fair enough. I don't know if they're going to necessarily be the team to beat, but on paper, they're still the best team. I have yet to talk about the, the Dodgers as we move to the West. I'm not t- saying any more words on Colorado. They don't deserve it. Um, I've yet to talk about the Dodgers. They're still very good. Now, again, they weren't able to retain everybody because there's a certain point at which you can't retain everybody. And... They lost more in free agency than they gained back. Andrew Heaney, Trey Turner. Trey Turner in particular is a huge blow. Um, Justin Turner, you know, he was getting older, but that's still a loss. Tyler Anderson, he wasn't a hugely important starter for them, but he was something. But then they bring back Noah Syndergaard, which with the pieces they already have at starter, with Clayton Kershaw coming back, with Julio Urias already in that rotation, they're fine at pitching. The lineup's still really good. Mookie Betts is still incredible. There's so much talent across the board on that team. You're still trotting out there with with guys like Max Muncie going out there every day. Um, yeah, not much to say. This is just going to be another good season for a very good team. The only concern is... I do think now that we're at the place where, send, on paper, the Padres are about as talented as the Dodgers are. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Dodgers can transition from on paper to in games. Because 89 wins for a team that talented was disappointing last year. And, right. you know, they... They ultimately made it to the LCS, so that made up for that disappointment. And they've got so much talented hitting. Fernando Tatis has gone from uh, the hero to the villain a little bit with uh, the PED test that he had last year. He's also moving to center field, which is going to be a a weird change. Oh, man, this team is still... I've talked about them. They're stacked. They're going to be tough, tough to beat. And I do think they're going to they're going to compete with the Dodgers for the division. I would be willing to give San Diego the edge, which is saying something. San Francisco is at the point where they're just not going to be able to keep it up in the same way anymore. Joey Bart was has not really been the replacement that they wanted to out of Buster Posey, but you know how can you replace Buster Posey? He's one of the best catchers of his era. Um, some of the pieces are getting older. Some of them have left already. The lo- the rotation's not bad though. Um, Ross Stripling continues to outpitch him his expectations a bit. Struggled in, in the preseason so far, or uh, in the spring training so far. But Sean Manet, I think, is still an excellent starting pitcher. Alex Wood, Logan Webb, Ale- Alex Cobb, Tristan Beck. Between those guys, you can make out a like a good rotation. 
but a good rotation and not much to speak for at, at bat is not going to be enough to compete in a division that has the Dodgers and the Padres in. The team to look out for, though, is Arizona. They're starting to put something together in Arizona. And I do think last year was a building year. Again, I think it might be premature to say that they're going to compete. And they certainly didn't spend in free agency like they were going to gear up for a run. But I think if some of their young players continue to produce and getting the addition of Gabriel Moreno, who I do wonder if the Blue Jays are going to regret trading him away because he's really, really good. He's real, real good. Uh, uh, they also get Guriel, who's a nice addition to that to that lineup that they have. Um, losing Varsha hurts, but they're really a team about their rotation. Madison Bumgartner's still doing out here doing it, but uh, the guys to talk about, guys like Zach Davies, Zach Gallen, still like very very solid pitchers. They might have some young guys making the the trip up soon to support them. This team is going to go as far as their pitching can take them. And, yeah, if they can add some things for hitting, if some of their young hitters like Corbin Carroll, who had a monster spring, um, did three triples in the spring. That's that's darn impressive for, you know, not that many games. If Gabriel Moreno is able to, who also had a monstrous spring for when he was able to hit, did three home runs in ten games, in spring training, there's potential that Arizona is going to be able to make a push. I could see them potentially sneaking in as a wild card. And the big thing for Arizona is I fully believe if that team is competitive, as we get closer to the trade deadline, they're going to be willing to buy to get to that place. That's the league. Well, Kyle, I, I got to say, like, you have educated me to hell and back again on this year's baseball. Uh, I got to ask you, because I ask at the beginning of every season, if you're going to pick the World Series right now, who's going on, who's going against who, who's going to win? I'm going to have some fun with this. Because I don't think, I, I want to be bold a little bit and make some fun predictions. Um, give me the Padres over the Blue Jays in six games. Woo, woo, that's hot. All right, I, I, I wonder how that's going to go going forward. With all that being said, if you want to find us on the social media, it's at WNWallop on Twitter, WNWallop on uh, Instagram, Wednesday Night Wallop on Facebook. If you just look for myself and Kyle Joseph's name, that's us. Um, if you want to find us on any of your podcatchers, we're on Deezer, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Podbean, Kyle, where else are we? Um, Google, Google Podcasts. Yeah, we are on Google Podcasts. We're we're on most of them. We're we're gonna work on getting uh, getting yes. on tap. I feel like we've been saying that forever. I, I uh, do, actually but it's gonna be the afternoon before we do that. Oh, oh, oh! So this is coming. This is coming. Yes. All right, maybe by the end of WrestleMania week, we will have this uh, sorted out. With all that being said, Kyle, once again, thank you so much for joining me this morning to talk a lot of baseball and get everyone ready for the MLB season that is about to begin, or I guess just begun. Uh, 
if they want to find you on Twitter, where do they find you? At Legendary KJ, L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. If you want to find me, it's at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. All right, everybody, have a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See ya. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.